Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. All right, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview individuals, uh, a lot of recovering addicts that have lived through hellish conditions. Um, You know, a lot of people here are, you know, addiction survivors. Um, You can find out more on Hell Has an Exit on Instagram. That's usually where we post most of our things. I have... uh, Good friend and real predecessor, uh, Louis Love here. So, no nuisance. Basically, I got clean. You know, you're like, you know, when I say predecessor, I mean like somebody that helped keep the doors open. You know, like when I first got clean, you were somebody that spoke all over the place, did tons of service, and I remember just following you around whenever you would speak. And you know, I remember like hearing your story, and I would go home and and tell my parents like, oh, I just heard this speaker, and like, you know, all this stuff. And you made it attractive, and you made it seem that like recovery was possible. You know, you have one of them stories that um, not just like your story, just like who you are as a person, you know, and through the years, like I still see you doing service, still see you going to meetings. And I can't say that about, you know, too many people that, you know, I got clean around. So if you want to just introduce yourself, where you're from, All right, um, start off. My name's Louie. They call me Louie Love. Like Brian just said, you know, um, I've been around for a long time. And now I just go by Louie, you know. I'm really? Amazing. You don't go by Louie Love no more? Well, they, a lot of people call me Louie Love, but uh-huh. I, I just, you know, I I used to introduce myself as Louie Love. Love. Wow. But now as I, I guess. Where did that name come from? The age, well, the reason why I got Louie Love was my grandfather came from Puerto Rico. My grandfather was a boxer. Mm-hmm. He came to the States to uh, spar with other um, expiring fighters, great mm-hmm. fighters. Um, so he was always in the gym. So I was always following him. You know, my grandfather was my big exploration. And to say that, you know, my f- grandfather did have an addiction. You know, he drank on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But when he drank, he drank. Yeah. You know, so but being in the gym... I was always in the gym, so I started, you know, boxing. He had me, you know, doing these little things. At first, I was, you know, picking up towels and doing this and doing mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, so he finally got me in the ring, and I started, you know, I started boxing. And one day, I was in the ring sparring with another kid, and he beat me bad, beat me so bad. How old bad. were you? Uh, I was like about nine, ten mm-hmm. years old. And, and he, he woke you? So, yeah, and I cried. Oh, did I cry. The next time around that I turned around, I went into the gym. Because after that, my grandfather didn't want me in, mm-hmm. in the witchcomb because, you know, I cried. In the ring, and I, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, I stuck around. And about 12, I started hanging with these kids. And they were older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one of the kids giving me something. I didn't know what it was. Um, I know I put it in my nose, mm-hmm. um, and I went in the ring. 
This was about almost three years later with the same kid that beat. Oh, yeah. And you whooped him. <laughs> and I whooped him. And the kid was like, I, you know, I'm hitting him with everything I got, but I couldn't feel nothing. And that was my first experience with uh, drugs. With drugs. Yeah. And I loved it. So where does the name Louis Love come from? Because I beat him so bad <laughs> that they said I made love to him. <laughs> so, you know, it, it turns around that everybody started calling me Louis Love. Wow. I thought they called you that when you got clean. No. You've been no, called Louis Love since then. I've had that name since, yeah, I was about 11, 12 years old. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I'm out in the streets. I knew how to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from a very early age, I knew how to fight. And... Me being the person that I am, my ego and my pride, you know, so I wanted to beat everybody, mm -hmm. you know. And if you said something to me, I was the first one to just, you know, swing. I, I didn't have a problem with, you know, arguing with you or nothing because I would just swing. And then once I swung, I got on you, I'm going to take yeah. you down. And that's how I proceeded to see life. Then I became a damn bully, mm -hmm. okay. Now, when— like I said, like about 11, 12, I got that, you know, that sensation with the drugs, and I loved it. Not to say I did it every day, but when I did it, mm -hmm. you know, I flipped. I, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time. So my addiction just grew. You know, it grew, I don't know, at the age of 14, yeah, 14, 15, I started using needles. What year was this? It was, oh, shit. This was back in 76. Wow. In Jersey? Yeah. In Jersey, okay. yeah. Because I'm originally from New Jersey, a city called Camden, okay, uh, Camden County, right across Philadelphia. So I was Camden's a nice there. place? Yeah, oh, Camden is the <laughs> worst. Cam listen, at one time, Camden was top capital murder. Murder capital. Whole, yeah, in the whole United States at one time. Mm -hmm. The thing was that I was involved in all of that, but I didn't see that, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, you know. Because you lived there. Trust me, I had a lot of friends disappear mm -hmm. and didn't know why. I thought they, you know, they had left, you know, different states or they moved out or and uh, they were never to be seen again. You know, at one time, I'll never forget, one of my mom's friends Telling my mom that, you know, your son is not going to, you know, live to see 18 mm -hmm. at that time. And I'm like, you know, my mom, you know, used to tell me. I was like, ah, they don't know what they're saying. They don't mm -hmm. know what they're doing. And it was almost true because um, I remember, you know, I got shot. Didn't know I got shot. All I knew is, you know, I felt the sting. And next thing you know, I passed out. Was it a drug deal or? I had, um, I had robbed somebody mm -hmm. and I came back to the neighborhood. You know, uh, he just, he seen me and we just started having a shootout. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, this is a funny story because, you know, I think back, I'm like, wow. Remember running and I don't know, uh, about 10 blocks, 12 blocks away, I passed out. Wow. Now, mind you, I passed out in front of this neighborhood and when I woke up, uh, you know, I woke up in the hospital. I don't know, I woke up two or three days later. Anyway, I was in the hospital for a while, so I came out, I went back to the same thing. <laughs> and I remember walking by the neighborhood again, okay, and this lady coming out of her house and just, you know, holding her head and said, oh, my God, because they thought I was dead. And she said, wow, 
that's a miracle. And she comes out, I got something for you. <laughs> well, it was the gun that I had when I passed out. She grabbed it. She grabbed it and held it for about four months. What a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, yes, she was nice. At the time, oh, my God, she was real nice because I mm -hmm. got it. She gave it to me. And I went and sold it, obviously, because mm -hmm. by this time, this time around, I said I wasn't going to do the same thing, you know, which I did anyway. And living in my neighborhood and in my county, it was real rough, you know. And again, uh, me doing what I was doing, I thought, you know, that it was going to be the end. That was going to be the end of me. You know, I never thought that I would live the life that I live today. I'll tell you that uh, I never forget in August of 2001, I can't say I was done. And mind you, I started the 12-step process in 1978. I went to my first meeting. Everybody thought I had a problem but me. I remember a gentleman telling me, you know, Louis Love, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, mm -hmm. I, this was back in 1978, and this dude was 100 years old. I mean, <laughs> He was probably as, 35. Yeah, but no, yeah, but I thought yeah, he was old. old you yeah. know? But anyway, and I'll uh, be honest with you, in 1975, no, I mean, 1978, there wasn't no young people. And, mm -hmm. you know, 12-step meetings. 12-step meetings, there were no young people. I think I was the only one. So... It took from 1978 to 2001, hmm. 23 years there later, you know. And between there, I went to prison twice. Um, I went to prison in 1981. I'll never forget. I was scared. I, I mean, I have been to county jails, but not to prison. And when I went to prison, I was scared. Once I got there, <laughs> I seen them. It was like I seen my family. <laughs> That's what everybody <laughs> says. Trip. Because, you know, everybody was like, Louis Love is here. Louis. I'm like, oh, <laughs> hell no. And I got comfortable and I adapted, you know. And I thought that that was the life, being locked up. I did 18 months the first time. I came home. And to think that when I came home, I was, you know, everything was going to be okay. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to start a new life and do this. Because, you know, I used to tell myself that, you know, this time is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Well, five years later, I went back to prison. And this time I got 15 years. Uh -huh. They couldn't prove it, but um, they gave me the 15 years because I was involved, okay? But they couldn't prove that I did it because they wanted to give me 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, they couldn't prove that aspect. So I took a plea bargain of 15 years before, you know, anything. They, you know, they offered me that, and I said, all right, yeah, you know, I'll take it. I remember in prison I learned how to, you know, take stuff in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once I learned, forget it. It was, you know, it was on and popping. You know, I got, you know— Pretty much everybody in the compound was my friend. You know how Selling it is. dope. Exactly. You know, I learned how to bring it in. It was, you know, it was a lifestyle. One thing I didn't do was used. I never used. And, you know, by the way, I, I came home in 19, February 16th of 1993. I'll never forget. I came home seven and a half years later. But in those seven and a half years later, I never did a drug. You know, inside there, I brought it in, I sold it, but I never used it, you know. And there was an old timer in there because I was, um, I went to 
Trenton State Prison. That's one of the big prisons up in New Jersey. And I remember he said, you know, he told me, he says, Louie, you know, if you're going to do anything, don't do no drugs up in here. You know, uh, trust me, you'll survive. But the minute you touch it, they're going to have you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, they ain't having me. Mm-hmm. And the way he put it was like, I thought I was going to be, <laughs> you know, somebody's bitch. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to God, that's the way I felt. And I was scared. <laughs> and I said, so I held on to that for all them years, you know, and he was right. You know, I seen guys that, you know, did what I did and then turn around and use and then, you know, them using him, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, I learned in that aspect. So, um, and, I, and you got off because they caught your prosecutor using, right, or something like that? No, I got off. The reason why I got off so early because the person that, and it wasn't the prosecutor, it was um, one of the uh, police officers, you know, they overturned a bunch of his convictions. You know, they, well, the prosecutor convicted, but because of that officer, they overturned a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, and I was one of them. Why though? Because he was, he, he, they found him crooked. He was a crooked cop. Yeah, he was a crooked cop. Yeah. And I remember I went to jail and I did county time, you know, which I did 364 days. Um, and that was county time. Okay. I remember one time that same cop, it wasn't my drugs. And I don't know where he got it from, but he stuck it to me, mm-hmm. you know? So. I went to jail and I did time for that, for mm-hmm. something that wasn't mine. Didn't I, you know, I was now that's where you go. I was wrongly convicted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, first and, time ever. Yeah, you know, and, you know, most of the times it was legit, but they found the city mayor I went to school with and he was crooked. Wow. You know, um, I never forget him. You know, when they caught him, they caught him, matter of fact, by the Delaware River. They didn't catch him. They caught one of his uh, boys, caught him in the Delaware River picking up packages Mm -hmm. because they used to drop him in the Delaware River, you know, kilos, Mm -hmm. and then pick him up. And then one of his boys, because it was for him. And this was the mayor? The mayor, Get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. And the thing was that the city of Camden was a dump. And he lived in Camden. So nobody cared. No, it wasn't that nobody cared. It was that, you know, uh, I mean, you know, he grew up in Camden and all of that. And then the fool turned around and built a beautiful, I mean, a mansion mm-hmm. in Camden, you know. So obviously, you That's know, pretty eventually, obvious. Gotcha. come on, eventually they're going to know. Mm-hmm. You know, you ain't making that much money to build the fucking mansion, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, that's how, you know, you know, he got caught in all of that. But anyway, you know, so the officer that had caught me and, you know, arrested me when I got that time, you know, he got convicted himself. Hmm. And so a, a lot of his arrests got overturned. And mine's being one of them. i never forget I had got a letter in prison uh, from the state of New Jersey, and I just threw it on, on, on my bunk. And my roommate, my bunkie, said, Louie, this is from the state. I says, I, the hell, I don't care. I mean, you know. Yeah. So he opened it and he started reading. He said, Louie, your conviction got overturned. And I'm like, what you talking about? And he says, yeah, look at this. You know, and he was always he was always in the library reading and mm-hmm. all, doing all of this. And I says, what? He says, yeah, you're getting out soon. I said, bullshit. <laughs> this was, I had like about almost five years in. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, I did the seven, and I came home early, and I, you know, because of that. 
And they kept telling me, listen, you can sue the state and all of this. And, but uh, once again, I got into my addiction and totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, I never forget um, coming back home. I said, I'll never go back. I, I will never go. I'll do anything, go to the county jail, but I won't go back to prison. And I didn't. You know, I went to county jail from <laughs> that time on, but I was, uh, you know, I was comfortable in the county jail. Anyway, I went to a lot of detoxes and rehab, um, and they were all state funded. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, the only one that wasn't state funded, I went to Betty Ford in Pennsylvania. I got scholarship there. Beautiful place. Gorgeous. I'll never forget, you know. Uh, they treated you with, you know, with the most up respect. I remember another gentleman getting there, um, and he was from Philadelphia. Um, his parents owned a horse carriage. The, in Philadelphia, they got them horse carriage rides, mm-hmm. you know, and his parents owned a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he came out of money. And he went to Betty Ford because, you know, his parents paid for it. And I remember him coming in, and, you know, he was all strung out and, and me helping him out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first time that I remember coming around this time around that I, you know, that I stuck and stay, that I did service work, that I helped somebody else out, and I didn't know. But he turned around after, you know, I think a week, he got his, you know, strength back. Coloring uh, his skin. skin and all of that. And uh, I remember him sitting down and saying, I'm going to find a way to use and my life not be unmanageable. And I don't know why the first time he said that, that drawed me to him. Because <laughs> wow. I'm like, I'm sticking with this guy. <laughs> this you know? guy's, he's got the he's, knowledge. He's, he, he, you know, he's got the answer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, and you know what? I think um, three weeks later, we both left. I stuck with him for about three days, okay, using, using drugs. And, and I remember him telling me, Lou, you got to get away from me. I can't take you no more. You're too much, you know? <laughs> and because I was, I mean, when I used, I used. I went on, I'll never forget a year later, I'm in Camden. And I, I went and bought, bought a bag and going back home, as they called bandominiums, the old houses, um, and you use in there, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember going into this bandominium going through the basement, through the trash and all of that, going to where everybody uses. And there was a gentleman sitting down. I look that way, but I'm, I'm too into what, are you doing? what I'm doing. And I did what I did, and I look back, and the dude's still in the same position. So I start yelling, you know, saying, yo, yo, you all right? And then I go over there, and the dude is dead. Hmm. Got a needle in his arm, sitting down. The good addict that I am, I check, you know, I go check his pockets. Of course. Took off his socks and everything. I looked at him real good, and it was that gentleman that I had left with from Betty Ford, bro. Years before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and I didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the summer, and I left. And about a week later, I go, you know, I'm, I'm going back through that neighborhood, and I see the crime scene and all of that, and they found him by the stench, mm-hmm. you know, and I never said nothing. That stuck to me because, you know, I, when he first came in, I helped him out, of and course. then this time I didn't call nobody, you mm-hmm. know. You know, that was one. And that's what we talked uh, about in the rooms, like you lose your humanness, yeah. you know, because it's like 
you wouldn't have gotten caught. You wouldn't got in trouble. It just wasn't worth your time. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, and the thing is, is that, yeah, if I would have just called, I don't know, maybe, you know, who knows? I would have probably saved his life. Not saying that, you know, that would have happened, but at least they wouldn't have found him a week later by his stench. 1,000%. You know? yeah. So, but, you know, so that stuck with me. And I, and I didn't understand um, when I came this time around about the baggage and all of that, because I, I didn't know. So, you know, that was one incident that stuck to me. I kept doing what I was doing. And, you know, I remember one day um, my daughter had her baby, my granddaughter, and she was like about a month old. And I'm standing in, in my mom's steps outside, and she's coming with the stroller. And I go up to her, my daughter, the first thing she says is, um, you know, don't touch my child, let alone uh, look at her. Mm. That hurts so bad. It was bad for me. How old were you at this you point? Know? Uh, I want to say, I don't know, 35, mm. something like that, you know. Um, and I was still, you know, that stuck with me, you know. Matter of fact, I was 37 years old. Because this was in 2000. My granddaughter's 20 years old now. She'll be 21. Yeah, because this was right before, you know, I came to South Florida. I remember going, what am I going to do? Am I going to live like this? And I kept looking up. And, you know, I'm not religious. You know, I'm Catholic because my mom says I'm Catholic. And today I do have a belief. I have a faith. I have hope, you know. But back then, I kept looking up and asking God, you know, am I going to live like this for the rest of my life? You know, what is, what's going to happen with me? And um, I didn't know that I was suicidal. Didn't even, you know, no, didn't even word. know the word, no. you know? And all I kept saying was, God, please take me. I, I can't live like this no more, you know? And I remember going and using, and um, there was a gentleman uh, you know, uh, may God rest his soul, I found out he, he had passed away. I had seen him. I used with him for many years, and then I seen him, and he was well-dressed. He looked good. You know, um, he was walking. Matter of fact, he was going to a meeting, okay? And I looked at him, and I says, yo, you know, we called him Ponch. I said, Ponch, you know, you know, when did you get out? You know, he says, what you talking about, Louie? I said, when did you get when did you get out? And you know, because that's what we thought. You come back clean and all of that. You're it's in from jail. Prison. Yeah, jail. <laughs> yeah. And he says, No, Louis, I was in South Florida. South Florida. I got 65 days clean, you know, and I just came from South Florida. And um, so I didn't want to hear it and I left. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I didn't want to hear, so I took off. About a month later, I'm going to the shooting gallery. And who do I see, Ponch, mm -hmm. inside the shooting gallery? And uh, he's, you know, he's using again. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ponch, what happened? What you? Uh, he says, I don't know, man, Louis. I just, you know, I guess I love getting high. <laughs> and I looked at him, and we sat and talked. And he explained to me how did he get to South Florida, you know, and what did he do to get to South Florida. And uh, he had told me, you know, he gave me this place. It's called the Fellowship House up in, in Camden. He said he went, you know, and he went there. He said uh, all he had to do was get a plane ticket, and he found him a spot over here. And that stuck to me. And uh, in the summer of 2001, matter of fact, July, 
I turned around and, and I walked through that spot, through that neighborhood, and I went and I knocked on the door of the fellowship house. <laughs> it's amazing how God works. Mm -hmm. The person that opened the door was the mother of my first three kids. Jesus. <laughs> that was a trip that blew me away. Was when she I said, recovery? No. No, wow. she worked for the fellowship. That wow. was it. And she goes and tells me, Louis, I've been waiting for you. Hmm. And I go, what are you talking about? He says, what are you here for? I says, I don't know. A friend of mine told me that, you know, I can come get help here. And she says, yeah, you're right. You know, so she got me connected to um, the person that was in charge in the fellowship house. And and so I went and we talked and, and he told me, he says, you know, I can get you a place in South Florida. And I says, well, you know what? Maybe I need a vacation because that's my thought. Maybe mm -hmm. I need a vacation. Maybe all of this will go away. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so I said, all right. So he says, all you need to do is, you know, get a plane ride you know, buy your ticket and we'll set you up. So I said, well, I ain't got no money. I says, call my mom. And then they called my mom and they explained to her, my mom got me a flight, mm -hmm. a one-way ticket, because it was a one-way <laughs> yeah. ticket. And I'll never forget, um, she took me to the airport. It was um, August the 19th. And I said, I'm not going if I, you know, if I don't use one more time, you know. And my mom went and got one of my brothers and, I got a bag, I did it, and I, you know. And so I got here to South Florida. I remember August the 20th, 2001. And I landed, and I was supposed to be at the place. And is this like a drug rehab? No, it, it was the Lamb of God. It was No detox? Crap. No detox, no. Just show just up? Just show up and, yeah. Get you know, out of here. Out, yeah, yeah. They told me I had to detox for three days. But, what, but I didn't. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to get out of Camden. Mm -hmm. Period. So I came, and I remember landing, and I had, I had about thirty-eight dollars that my father gave me. Okay, because my mom didn't want to give me no money. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she said no. You know, when you get up there, call me. We'll, you know, we'll get you a taxi, and and they were going to pay for it. I don't know how, but anyway. So, my father gave me thirty-eight dollars, and I went, and I never forget. I landed. And I didn't, I, I didn't call nobody. I went and got a cab, told the cab driver, yo, take me to the first dope hole. <laughs> <laughs> and they took me to Sunrise. <laughs> I didn't know where I was at, never been to Florida, didn't know, you know. And he, uh, I remember, I says, wait here, you know, because I need, he, I had the address. And I remember him parking, and I had, a, all I had was a brown paper bag. I had a pair of pants, a shirt, a pair of underwears, and, and a pair of socks, and the clothes I had on me. That's the only thing I brought. I didn't have nothing else. And I remember him throwing the bag out and taking off. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. And I found somebody, you know, a first-person look in Sunrise back then in 2001, and this was um, uh, uh, Sunrise, um, east of 95, because mm -hmm. that area, mm -hmm. okay? I turned around and, and you know, I'd seen somebody say, yo, you know, where can I get some dope around here? He said, ah, oh, come with me and all this. And it so, was definitely crack. Well, it wasn't dope. Wow. Yeah, that's what he thought. Yeah. Because he said, yeah, I got this. You know, matter of fact, now that you mentioned <laughs> it, he said, I got this. I said, no, I want some dope. But this is dope. I said, no, some heroin. Yeah. And he goes, oh, come on with me. And then he took me to spot. And they gave me a bag 
you know, uh, come to find out, I know it wasn't, you know, I did it. It wasn't dope. I said, I'm fucked because <laughs> South Florida got the shittiest dope, you know. And I remember it was like about 7.30, and I remember going to the gas station on Sunrise. Didn't know, and I asked directions. I had like maybe about $10, $8 left, and I said, well, how can I get catch a bus to go to this address? Mm -hmm. And they said, the bus stop is right there. Go take it. And so I, I waited at the gas station, and there was a gentleman that came in to get gas. Mm -hmm. I went up to him, and I had these brochures of the Lamb of God. I'll yeah. never forget. And I said, um, listen, I'm trying to get—I'm from Philly. I showed him my ticket because mm -hmm. I left from Philadelphia. Airplane ticket. Um, and I said, listen, I got to get to this place because I'm working with a minister. <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. I'm going to—you know, I'm starting classes here, Bible study classes, because since it was Lamb of God, it I thought, you know— religious. I to, you got a good story, yeah. <laughs> And he looked at me and he says, all right, well, come on, I can get you close to where you're going. Mm -hmm. So I actually, you know, he, he gave me a ride and I started talking to him, you know, oh, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, you know, and I, you know, I preach and, you know, I help all these guys out, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, and the guy turned around and I guess he, you know, he, he got sick of listening to me, to my bullshit. That he said, listen, I'm going to turn right around here, and I'm going to drop you off. You're on Dixie, so you find your way. I said, bet. As long as I'm on Dixie, I can find my way. It's about 9.15. The place Lamb of God closes at 9.30. Mm -hmm. And as he turns around, the sign, Lamb of God. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. I got out, went. And the uh, the director from the Lamb of God said, listen, man, we've been waiting for you. You know, uh, you got off the plane at 6.30. You know, you're getting here now. And I'm like, well, I got lost. Of he says, you know, finally, he says, your mom's worried. You need to call your mom. And she thought, you know. And uh, so I went and called my mom. And I said, listen, mom, I'm all right. I arrived. She says, what happened? I said, none. I got stuck in, you know, somewhere, you know, lied. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the Lamb of God. Um, I remember being there, and they helped me out for about a week. Mm -hmm. I got there on a Tuesday, on a Sunday. They had me going at 10 o'clock to a meeting every day. From the time I got there, um, I had to be at this meeting at, uh, at the 101 on Dixie Highway at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, so the first day I went, I just stood there, didn't say nothing. When I went back, they said, listen, you got to raise your hand and just, you know, tell them where you're from, who's, what's your name. Introduce yourself. I said, man, I don't want to, you know. And he says, just do, just introduce yourself. You ain't got to say nothing else. So I started doing that. And I remember uh, on a Friday, a girl came up to me and she goes, Louie. And I'm like, I'm looking at her. Well, her name was Robin. Um, she comes up, Louie, you don't remember me? And I'm like, remember you? Uh, I'm Robin. I'm Wadu's wife. Mm -hmm. Wadu was my cellmate back in Trenton State Prison. Mm -hmm. She used to go visit him. And I'm like, wow. And I looked at her, and she had been here about almost 10 months. You know, the last time I seen her, she, you know, she weighed maybe 80 pounds soaking mm -hmm. wet. Now, she, you know, um, she was about 130, 140 pounds, had it all in the right places. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. you know. And she says, man, I'm grateful that, you know, 
you know, somebody from where my neighborhood, you know, is here. Is here. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you know. So, you know, we started chatting and all of that. And then on Sunday, we went to the beach. Well, I had, I've been to the beach up in Jersey and the water's freezing. <laughs> and it was August and uh, I go to the beach and I get in the water and the water is warm. I mean, it's hot. It's bath water. <laughs> bath water. I've never, you know, never got in, you know, ocean like that. So we were having fun. And the gentleman that took us from the Lamb of God said, Louis, we got to go. And everybody was staying. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go. I went back pissed off. And that night, Sunday night, I remember the director taking me down to his office. And, you know, because I was pissed off and I was cursing and doing this. And, ah, this is all messed up and all this. This place ain't shit, you know. And I remember him telling me. Like you got options. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no, like, you know. And I remember him telling me, he says, man, you know, we gave you a place. You ain't from here, you know. We're giving you food. You came out of a place eating out of dumpsters. You slept in band dominiums and old houses. And I'm like, you don't know me. I ain't never done that, <laughs> you know. And I turned around and said, listen, man, you can stick this place up. And I walked out. <laughs> and as I'm walking out in the, I grabbed my bag. I'm walking out in the parking lot, and I'm looking up, and I'm starting to cry. For the first time, I'm scared in my life because I'm, I'm in a place I don't know where I'm at. Usually, I go to places, and I get back home. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know whether to go left, right, you know, east, north. I didn't even know where none of that was at. And I'm walking, and I'm crying because I don't know where am I going. And I hear like an echo, Louis, Louis Love, Louis, Louis Love. And I'm like, and I look back and it's Robin. Hmm. And I'm wiping my eyes so she won't see me cry. You know how that goes. I got to be a man, you know. And then I tell her, I says, nah, you know, these people just threw me out. Knowing they didn't throw me out, I left, you know. (laughs) know, um, And she says, oh, you know, uh, I says, I ain't got nowhere to go. She says, come with me. She was the manager of the women's halfway house, mm-hmm. the, uh, the halfway house she was at. She made a couple of phone calls, and I got into First Step, Sober House. My First Step recovery. Mm-hmm. Is the, you know, that was the sober first living. time, Sober Living, yeah. So they took me over there, and I remember Richard Intricate, may God rest his soul, because he's, you know, I mean, he's, when I tell you he was one of my predecessors, you know, he took me in that Sunday night. They fed me, mm-hmm. Okay. For once, I said, you know what? I was just out in the streets. I was scared. You know, I'm going to start listening to these people. You know, I mean, I I don't know what's going on, but you know what? Everything they tell me what to do, I'm going to do. So, you know, I I got a bed. You know, I remember the first night uh, because by this time, see, I was using uh, methadone. So my first five days, six days, I was fine. Cause I didn't, I didn't get sick, mm-hmm. and then after the fifth day, the sixth day, I got real sick, and mm. that was when I got into first step. Wow, you're and on I methadone remember, that whole time at Lamb of God. No, I was on methadone coming gotcha. from from which call? Because what happens is methadone will stay in your system and 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 won't allow you to get sick mm-hmm. between four to six days. Mm-hmm. So 
I turned around and, you know, I wasn't using nothing. I wasn't doing nothing. But when I got to the first step, I started getting sick. Mm -hmm. And I remember that first night and I couldn't sleep and I'm bawling and, you know, I'm starting uh, the withdrawals. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember Monday morning, uh, me getting out of bed and getting into the shower and uh, staying, you know, back and forth in bed in the shower Monday he gets in, he says, Louis, what I says, listen, man, I'm real sick. He says, you got to stick through it, you know? Um, and also, you got to go find yourself a job. <laughs> and I'm like, what? My roommate <laughs> was working at a labor ready. So on Tuesday, I went with him. Even though I was sick, I went with him. And I filled out the paperwork, and I stood out there, and like about we and we went like about five thirty in the morning. I couldn't sleep anyway, so you know I went with him. And about nine o'clock, they called my name, and I went to go work. They put me in this place working with, at a tree company, and I remember, I, you know, I struggled that. First eight hours. Man, being dope sick. I we struggled. can't even get people to go to group. No, <laughs> on dope listen sick. to this. I, I did it, bro. And But the thing was that I sweated. When mm -hmm. I tell you, at the end of the day, my clothes were soaked and wet. Okay? Not because I put a hose on. Mm -hmm. It was because I was sweating. I remember going back to the labor ready at the end of the day, and they giving me a paper check. And it was for $27.50. And I just bust my ass for $27.50. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I come back. And I remember telling I was pissed because I didn't even cash it. Because mm -hmm. I just bust my ass for eight hours and getting three something an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, Florida's sick. Florida's <laughs> crazy. I remember going back and, and telling Richard, listen, Richard, this shit ain't going to kick it, man. I got to, you know. He says, what's going on? I said, man, I just worked out. He said, good. You know, you got a job. I said, well, I worked at this labor ready that uh, Ron took me to. These people paid me $27.50, and I worked at a tree company uh, hauling them trees, you know, uh, branches to the shredder, and, you know, for eight hours, and they give me $27.50. And he looks at me, and he says, Louis, what are you talking about? I said, what you mean, Richard? Look at this. $27.50. This was that Tuesday night, that Tuesday evening. Mm -hmm. And I remember Richard telling, telling me, you should be grateful. And I looked at him and I'm in my head, I'm like, what the fuck grateful got to do with this shit? I just mm -hmm. bust my ass. I ain't, you know, I'm not doing this shit again, mm -hmm. you know? And he says, you should be grateful. And I'm like, well, what grateful got to do with this? You know, I mean, I, you know, that ain't even three, four dollars an hour. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the minimum wage is, I think it was five something. Mm -hmm. And he goes, listen, bro, let me ask you something. What did you have yesterday? And I looked at him and I'm like, no, I didn't have nothing yesterday. He said, that's right. But yet you got a bed. They fed you. So where's your gratitude? And here I'm still thinking, what does gratitude has to do with this, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I thought about it, you know, and then I said, Richard, you know what? You're probably right, bro, you know? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go, you know? Um, I don't feel the way you're saying, mm -hmm. you know? Whatever you're saying, I don't feel that, mm -hmm. you know? 
And I remember him telling me, Louie, just stick around a little bit longer. You see what I'm talking about. And I seen the sparkle in his face, bro. And then, you know, I'm like, I, I thought he was laughing at me because I was, you know, I only got paid $27. <laughs> and he said, Louis, you know, stick a, li a little bit longer and you'll find out what gratitude means, you know? And I'm like, wow, you know. And he says, yeah, you know, um, now when you cash that check, $27. Give me 20 of them. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh. I, I, in my head, I was like, this dude didn't just say this. Mm -hmm. I didn't say nothing. You know, I, I walked off because I didn't want to say something that would throw me out or I regret or whatnot. I walked off and went to my room, and, and I'm talking to Ron, and, and I'm telling him the story about what just happened. And Ron said, Louie, you got $7.50. Look around you. And I'm looking, and I'm like, what you talking about? And he says, uh, you got a bed? I says, yeah. He says, you know, guys fed you, right? You ain't going to go hungry, you know? Be grateful. And when I heard that from him, I don't know, it was like, it, it was a meaning. Mm -hmm. It was some kind of meaning to it. And I'm like, you know, you got to be kidding me, man, I, you know? And the way he said it and the way Richard said it was it was like totally different. Mm -hmm. But when Ron said it, I was like, you know what? You're right, Ron. You're right. And he said, Louis, you got a repeat ticket. And I'm like, a repeat ticket? He said, yeah, they gave me, you know, the ticket. You know, you could go back to the same place tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I looked at him. I said, what? And you know what? I, I didn't say, you know, I turned around and said, listen, I'm not going. I'm definitely not going. So, you know, we went to bed. Again, I didn't sleep. Ron gets up at 4.30 and, and gets ready to go. And I, Ron, wait for me. <laughs> and I went. Mm -hmm. And for the next four and a half weeks, I worked with a repeat ticket at mm -hmm. that same place for $27.50. And after the third, fourth and day. And giving Richard 20? And giving Richard, <laughs> giving Richard $20 out of each day, bro. Wow. And you know what? I remember the first week that I gave that man $20 every day because my rent was $100. You know how good I felt? Mm -hmm. It was something that changed in me. And I don't know what it was at the time, you know? I, you know, now I know it was like a spirituality just came inside me and just, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it was so great. And I just kept going. You know, them $7.50 added up. I mean, I, I didn't believe it. It, added, it. it actually added up. I went to the thrift store, got me, you know, a couple of pants, a couple of shirts. You know, I remember getting me these Air Max, the knockoffs, mm -hmm. the Air Max. I remember paying $9 for mm -hmm. them, uh, and I looked sharp, yeah, you know. And I was dressed, uh, the outside was, you know, I was feeling good in the inside. Now I started dressing the outside, you know. Um, and I remember four and a half weeks working for that tree company. I remember on a Friday, Steve, I will never forget, he was, he, he was the owner. He said, Louie, Monday, when you come in, don't go to the labor ready. Come straight over here. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to fire me. Mm -hmm. I got used to the $27.50. Yeah. And that weekend, it was like a year because it wouldn't come fast enough. Because mm -hmm. I, I was scared that he was going to fire me. Mm -hmm. You know, he called me in his office and, you know, Monday morning I had to... And when I get there Monday morning, I'm, 
you know, we started at 8 o'clock. I was there about 6.30, sitting, and here he comes. I said, Louis, you? I says, nah, I've been, you know, I got here early, you know. I need to find a job. And he looks at me because I'm still thinking he's going to fire me, yeah. you know. And I'm like, you know, and he says, Louis, come in my office. And I says, uh, all right. Then he gives me this paper. It's a W-2 form. And I'm like, what is that? You know, I hadn't seen one of them. <laughs> I, I don't know. And he says, Louis, that's a W-2 form. Fill it out. And I'm like, yeah, but for what? He said, well, because I'm going to hire you. You don't have to go to labor ready. I looked at him. I said, what? He says, yeah, you're a hell of a worker. I said, yeah, but how am I going to get paid? You know, I got to go over there to get my check. <laughs> you know, I'm still not, it's still not hitting. Not clicking. Not clicking. So I filled it out. And then he said, Louis, how does $8 an hour sound? Back in 2001, $8, bro? Sounded straight. That, man, <laughs> I thought, I, listen, I'm rich. Oh, no, I was rich, bro. And then I, I worked and I worked hard that day. And mind you, I never, I skipped the whole part about me sweating every day. Mm-hmm. While I was when I first started working, didn't know that by me sweating every day, the toxins were coming out of my body, mm-hmm. and I was feel. I, that's why I was feeling, feeling better. better every other mm-hmm. day, you know. And I never forget. It was like, I don't know, the sixteenth, seventeenth day. I slept for about twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and I thought I slept the whole night, yeah. bro. And that felt so good, mm-hmm. bro. He hired me, and, and, and you know, it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and, and by this time, you know, I'm going to meetings every day. Um, you know, I'm meeting people, and, and I'm even helping out people, mm-hmm. you know. I'm helping out guys that are just coming in to the halfway house that I was in, you know. So, and I didn't know. Um, I got involved in, in this group. I was making coffee. I started greeting, then I made coffee, and it felt good. You know, and and the reason why it felt good because people started recognizing Louis Love. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody Louis Love, Louis Love, and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you know, damn, I'm, you know, and it felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember calling back home in December and telling them I couldn't go back, and it was hard because all my family's back home. Mm-hmm. You know. But for some apparent reason, I met a new family, and it felt so great. I went home in December 2001. I went home for eight days. I paid my flight to come back. The fourth day that I was home, I wanted to get high. I'm pacing back and forth over my mom's, I'll never forget. And I, I sit down in the living room. My mom's making something in the kitchen. She comes up and she goes, she looks at me. She says, Louie, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing, mom, nothing. And here my mind is just gone because I want to get high. Mm-hmm. How can I get away to go get, you know, what I want? And the third time she comes up and she says, Louie, what the effing's wrong with you? Mom, I want to get high. It just came out. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time you ever admitted it. I was honest mm-hmm. that I had actually got honest, not only with me, but with another human being. And she says, "What are you talking about? It's you know, it's been four months. You you know." I said, "Mom, no, I, I you know, I don't know, but I'm an addict, and I want to get high." 
And the first thing I said, Mom, I got to go back. I can't stay here. My mom crying. I'll never forget. It's sensitive. It's mm-hmm. a sensitive issue, you know, because uh, my mom prayed for me for all them years. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, she finally got the son that she wanted, you know, um, and because uh, them four days that I was there, she she was happy. And because uh, I told her, I says, I can't leave because I, I don't have no money and I mm-hmm. can't change my flight. And then she says, well, call your dad. And um, I'm like, I know he's not going to, he's not going to give me nothing. I know him. Yeah. I, he's not going to do nothing for me, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I always believed that my father didn't care for me and none of that, you know. So I, I gave in and I called my dad. And when I called my dad, the first thing he said, I ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. And I said, see, mom, I told you. And I went to go hang up as my mom grabbed the phone. So I guess my mom explained to him. And then she gave me back the phone and my dad said, I'll call you back. I said, man, he ain't calling back. And I hung up. Mm-hmm. My sister calls. And when my sister calls, she said, Louie, you're leaving tomorrow morning at 6.30 in the morning. Hmm. And this was like about 2 o'clock that mm-hmm. day in the afternoon. And I said, all right, bet, you know. And I was, you know, I, I was feeling a little bit more relief. <laughs> about 3.30, my dad walks in through the door. You know, my mom and my dad are separated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, my mom and my dad stayed best friends. Mm-hmm. So my dad would come, you know, to my mom's house, and he walks in about 3.30. Pack up your stuff, you're leaving. I'm like, what you mean I'm leaving? Mm-hmm. Jenny just called me. Jenny's my sister, yeah. by the way. She says, I'm leaving at 6.30. She said, he says, yeah, no, you are leaving at 6.30, but you're leaving with me now because you're not leaving my sight. <laughs> that was the best thing my dad ever did for me. Bro. Wow, that's cool. I mean, that listen, bro, it was something <laughs> that, you know, I don't know, it was something out of this world because, you know, for the first time, my dad, you know, um, and at the time, I, I didn't see it. That day, I didn't see it, you know. I seen it, you know, months later, but... You know, my dad got me to where I'm at today, mm-hmm. you know, because if it wasn't for him, heaven knows what would have happened. So I stuck with my dad until 630. He watched me <laughs> walk in that plane. Now, mind you, I called a couple of friends over here and I told him what happened. You know, they picked me up at 930 in the morning. I believe it was on a Friday morning. They picked me up at the airport because by this time I have friends in Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that cared and so I had a ride they picked me up at 9 30 because I arrived about 9 10 and went straight to a meeting nice and that was the best thing and you know what I had I had all by this time I had learned and I raised my hand and, and I said listen you know I went back home and uh a couple of days later I felt like using deep down inside I didn't want to use but my mind kept telling me mm-hmm. and you know and um they said yeah you're an addict, you know. <laughs> now you know that you're an addict, you know. Um, but the good thing about it is you're a recovering addict, you know. You didn't pick up. You did what you were supposed to do. Just continue on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember calling back home and saying, Mom, forget it. I can't ever go back. can never go back. And she says, uh, that's good. I guess, you know, 
You're finally a man. <laughs> At 38, I wow. was 38 years old. She says, you finally turned into a man. I said, yeah, mom, I, I, you know. Now, mind you, I got my wife back at home mm -hmm. and the kids. Now, still by this time, I had, I had about four months clean, almost four months clean. My wife still didn't want me home. So I was staying over my mom's. Mm -hmm. I remember calling her up. This was in 2002 in January. Never forget. She's over my mom's. My mom hadn't told her nothing that I had already told my mom that I wasn't going back. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and I'm talking to her and I told her, listen, I, I, I can't go back. She goes, what? You probably found yourself a girl down there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but that's what they think. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just can't go back because I'm going to go back to the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just experienced something that, you know, right now, you know, for me, my decision is made. Now, we'll talk later. So she thought that I was, you know, that that was it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I remember the following week I called my mom. She was over my mom. Matter of fact, after that, she was over my mom's every day. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, did Louis call? Did Louis call? And then I remember a week later, she, you know, I called and we started talking. And I remember telling her that, you know what, um, I've done the same thing over and over for 23 years. I've gone to different places, went back home and did the same thing. This time, I can't, I'm 38 years old. I can't, I, I got to live a life, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and if you want, you know, um, give me time. We'll work something out. I'll get a place once I'm, you know, once I'm, I'm stable enough to mm -hmm. get this. I'll get a place down here and I'll go pick you up. And she says, nah, you're not going to do that. Nobody believed me. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever believed nothing I said. And especially back home. I'm, I'm Here in South Florida, people started believing in me. But back home, nobody believed Of course. Me. So that's just what I did. I worked and worked and, and went to meetings, did what I was supposed to do. I had uh, about nine and a half months, I got an apartment. Nice. Two-bedroom apartment. It was from somebody in the rooms, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they had a place, you know, that they needed to rent out. And I said, all right, bet, you know. Um, by this time, you know, I'm making about $12 an hour, which, you know, was a good thing. So I had saved enough money to give them the first month and the first security. So I got the apartment. My wife's like, when you picking me up? No, uh, you know. I got to stay here a couple months to see if I can pay for it. Because, mm -hmm. see, I didn't know. You know, and I remember people telling me, Louis, it's a two-bedroom. Let me rent the other room. I said, nah, I got to do this on my own, mm -hmm. you know. And three months later, I went back to Jersey, picked up the wife and kids, even a dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll never forget. And brought them back to South Florida. Wow. It took me 19 and a half hours, almost 20 hours to get there. It took me 37 hours to get back. Wow. Because the kids were driving me crazy. <laughs> and I, not that I stopped at a hotel, none of that. We stopped at a gas station. I slept for an hour or two and kept going. Mm -hmm. And then I caught a flat in one in North Carolina, and, and it was like about 1 o'clock in the morning. And, 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 you know, this is how God works. A state trooper came. I didn't have a spare. And this is at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he was so nice that he called his friend, had a tire place, mm -hmm. took me there, brought me back, and wow. changed the tire. We were well on our way, mm -hmm. you know, and how 
at that time, people were so friendly. And not saying that people ain't friendly now, but with the things that's going on in the world now, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, um, especially law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, you never think that they would do that, you mm-hmm. know. But anyway, so it took me 37 hours, and I was going crazy. I was going fucking nuts. And I never forget getting here. And they kept saying, I, I think it was way before the movie, are we there yet? Are yeah. we there yet? I should have invented that movie because <laughs> that's all the kids kept telling me, are we there yet? <laughs> so we get here, and um, I remember the first two weeks. After the first two weeks, my wife says, ah, it's the same shit all over again. And I didn't understand what she meant. Mm-hmm. I was working. And after work, I would go home and go to a meeting mm-hmm. and come home at night. So she wasn't seeing me. Yeah. So it was like, you know. You're, yeah, she thought you were disappearing. Yeah, just doing the same thing. And I, I kept telling her, you know, and, and she knew when I was high. Mm-hmm. Even if I wasn't nodding or whatnot, she could she tell. Could tell. Mm-hmm. And she knew I wasn't getting high, but it was like deja vu again. Mm-hmm. So I made a pact with her and said, all right, you want to come with me? Because I'm not going to stop, but you can come. Mm-hmm. She came to the first meeting, and my wife's not an addict mm-hmm. or, you know, an alcoholic or any of that kind. You know, my wife's a normie, mm-hmm. you know, um, and she loved it. That's cool. And you know what? She supported me throughout this whole time. I remember she did not pick up a drink for about three, four years because mm. she didn't want to, you know, I mean, now she'll drink, you know, martinis. But she was supporting you. But yeah. she supported me all through the way. And I, That's you know, awesome. that woman is, you know, you're talking about a better half. You know, my kids, they, they were young, you know, and I brought them through the, the process, through the meetings. They learned. They learned so much that my kids, I got, I have four kids here and they're the best, you know, and they got kids of their own, hmm. you know, and believe me, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, they drink socially. With the exception of one mm-hmm. that I thought that was he was the bad apple and he's the best one. And not to wow. say all oh, my kids, I love them all. But, you know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't, you know, do nothing. All he does is take care of his kids. Mm-hmm. He goes out on vacations. You know, he does this. But he does a lot with his kids. I never thought that that would be. Be him. Yeah. Not only be him, but that I was capable of raising kids like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, I you know, I did for so long because um as you know brian i got nine kids Mm -hmm. um you know i got six boys and three girls and i raised the last four and i got them all in my life they're all in my life they're Mm -hmm. all grown i mean you know they all have kids um uh my oldest grandson he's uh he'll be 21 wow i mean it's amazing how I can see all of this, you know, um, and through this process, you know, um, I've been, it's going on 20 years that I've been in South Florida. I That's love awesome. It, you know, um, I've gotten offers, you know, I mean, I got an offer not too long ago to go back to Jersey. I don't know. I, I <laughs> spoke to you. They had opened up something over there and um, I said, nah, I'm, you know, I'm fine just where <laughs> I'm at because, you know, and not that I'm comfortable, but I- I'm just fine where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, maybe comfortable has to do a lot, but I love the people that I'm around, you know, and especially I love South Florida. I, I you know, I can't go do that four seasons again, <laughs> you know. Life is great, man. Like, you know, I-, I could tell you that 
I go through ups and downs, and and, and you know, um, you Brian, you've known me for so mm-hmm. long. Sometimes I'll call you for advice mm-hmm. or something like that. Not too long ago, I did that, you know, and I went through something that I thought, you know, it wasn't going to pass, you know. Um, and to think that I tell people, be patient, you know, have faith, you know, have hope, trust you know, the process. Know, trust the process. Yeah. And I tell people that, and yet. You know, not too long ago, I went through something and people were telling me this and I didn't want to hear it mm-hmm. at the beginning. I, You know, and then to sit back and reflect on myself and then think about, you know, wow, they're throwing exactly what I learned and I taught other people, they're throwing that back at me. And you know what? They're so right. Everybody, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah, it takes a process, you know. Um, believe me, because I hurt. I, I hurt bad. You know, um, I remember the first week I, I, you know, I couldn't close my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, I remember, matter of fact, I just did uh, step work with one of my sponsees this week, and he's been trying to get, you know, and I, you know, I've been in in the process that I've been in, and you know, we were speaking uh, on Tuesday because he came over to the house and and he was telling me that you know he was going to get somebody else cuz you know I don't mean no harm and mm-hmm. I was like oh, that's okay but then I spoke to other people and they say listen you know he's got to go through his process give him time be patient and you know what he says he made the best decision not to do that <laughs> and to stay you understand and and that was awesome just to hear that mm-hmm. you know again every day you know it's a process i go through things but one thing i don't do is that I don't pick up no matter what. The good thing about it is, is that, you know, um, I have faith, you know. Uh, again, I'm not religious. Uh, the, my mom says I'm Catholic. I said it at the <laughs> beginning, and I say it again. I'm Catholic because my mom says I'm Catholic, mm-hmm. but I do have a belief. I do have a higher power, okay? Um, not only do I believe in him, I have faith. Um, I have hope. And you know what? Everybody around me, even the people that, because I got friends that are not in this process, mm-hmm. you know, and they're good friends. Because if I call them and I need something, they're there for mm-hmm. me, you know. They tell me the same thing, you know. And I says, damn, you sure you ain't in, the, you, you ain't in this process, you know. And the good thing about it is, is that, you know, everybody loves me. And the best thing, the best thing that God ever gave me was that I love myself today. And that's awesome, mm-hmm. you know, just with that aspect. But, again, this couldn't be possible. When I say this couldn't be possible, with not trusting the process. And trust me, I trust the process. Absolutely. Yeah, so with that, thanks, bro. Absolutely. I mean, Thank you, know. you Louis. It's always good to see you. You know, um, you know, like it's hard to see it when you're in it, you know what I mean? And I always tell people, like, Like, it's easy to tell someone when they're going through it, but when you're going through it, you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no one wants to hear that shit, you know? I'm glad I'm not the only one. Absolutely, man. I'm glad I'm not the only one. And, you know, like, I was talking to my sponsee, and, like, last night, like, I kind of fucked up my car. He had to come pick me up and call a tow truck or whatever. And he was looking at me, and he was like, I was wondering if this was going to piss you off. And I was like, I mean, there ain't nothing you could really do, you know what I mean? He was just like damn, bro, like, there ain't nothing that really bothers you, you know? Like, I really don't get upset at things because it, it don't do nothing. Right. You know, it takes a lot for me to, like, really get out of my element and get angry or, or whatever. 
And um, it has happened in like the past couple of years. But like, I always feel like whenever those things happen, I do what I'm supposed to do. I reach out to people. I go to meetings. I write about it. I do step work on it. And um, it helps me from making the situation worse. Because when I act out in those feelings, I get pissed off and I get angry. And I always tell people, like when people relapse, I'm, I'm always like, you know, asking them like, oh, so why'd you relapse? Like, oh, well, I lost my job and then my girl broke up with me. I was like, so you used it? Like, yeah. So I was like, oh, you showed them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure your job is like, damn, bro, we heard you smoke crack. We want you back. Or okay. your girl is like, damn, you used. Come back to me. You know, like oh, I always tell people it's like getting a flat tire and getting out and popping the other three tires, mm-hmm. you know? That process of like letting go of that self-destruction is not easy because you're so used to it. And I remember all the time when I was using it, it was everyone's fault. It was poor me. It was playing the victim story. I remember the first time like something happened and really all I had to do was do nothing. Like I just had to let it pass and let the emotion pass. And it's kind of like watching the clouds, like something there ain't nothing you could do. You just got to let it go by. Uh, recovery taught me that. It's a good analogy that you just said, because uh, and and I'll, I'll probably use it. It's like a cloud; it's mm-hmm. gonna go by. Yep. You know, it's, it's the cloud is not gonna stay on top of you. It's gonna mm-hmm. go by, and that's just what it. Uh, you know, that's just what you've mm-hmm. taught me. And I say you, Brian, because you know what? I learned a lot from you. Thank you. You know, I learned a lot from you and other people. It doesn't have to be that somebody has to be here for years and Mm -hmm. years. No. And you're absolutely right. I've seen guys that, you know, go back out and use. And I ask them the same thing. You Mm -hmm. know, so why did you use? Oh, you know, I lost this and, you know, I just didn't have anything to live for. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what you mean? You have everything to live Mm -hmm. for, you know, but that's your choice. Now, I tell everybody that I'm going to make mistakes because I am. I'm going to make mistakes, you know. The good thing about it is that this process has taught me to look at my mistake so I won't do it again. Mm-hmm. See, I've never seen, I've never done that in my life. I, I've always made a mistake and made the same mistake over, over and over because I never learned seen the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Learn the lesson. I tell these guys, you know, um, I had a gentleman today call me when I when I was coming over here. Um, Because as you know, uh, well, I don't know, I didn't mention this, I own halfway houses Mm -hmm. since 2006, Mm -hmm. and thank God, you know, I mean, I'm not in it for, you know, the pay or none of that, I'm in it to help our people, that's why probably I've been, it's been so long, I'm still around, it's just, you know, so I had a guy that I just, you know, that just called me, and I've known him for years, and he was out in the street. Um, so he asked me, and I said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" You know, I, I had a bed available, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I gave it to him. And this was on, I think, um, matter of fact, Friday night. Mm-hmm. He calls me up today and says, "Louis, you know, uh, I got a better offer because I'm where I'm at. I'm like, you know, I, I'm gonna, you know, move out." And I said, "Okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want you to get mad. I don't, I'm not gonna get mad, bro. Yeah. If you gotta move on, move on. You know." He said, I, "You know, whatever I owe you." I said, "No, bro." Not once did I ask you for any money. Mm-hmm. Don't ever think that I'm in it for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, no, but I understand you got to pay bill. It gets paid. You know what? I trust the process. I've been doing this for so long. Yep. The bills are going to get paid, regardless you're there or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's like, oh, you know, and I says, you know, and then now the evil side of me start thinking and saying, Oh, he's going to need me again. <laughs> he's going to need me again. But I'm most likely I'll help him out again. Of course. Because that's just the way I am. These guys, sooner or later, is going to stop. 
Mm-hmm. And I tell them, you know, you're either going to wind up in jail for a long time or either you're going to die. Well, recently, there's been a lot of deaths. Yeah. It's hard. You know, I always tell uh, people, you know, like addiction don't last forever. You're going to die. You know yeah, what exactly. I mean? Like this ain't going to last yeah, forever. No. And uh, like the days of seeing 50, 60-year-old opiate addicts are gone. I tell people all the time, when was the last time oh, you yeah. seen someone 50, 60 years old shooting dope? People are shooting dope for two or three years now, and that's, that's it. it. You don't have a long career as a dope fiend no, anymore. No way in the world. And not just that. At the same time, people are getting clean younger and younger anyways, you know? Oh, it's um, happening. I'm going to end with this. You know, this one time I was at this uh, H&I. I mean, we did the same H&I for years, man. You and I did uh, IRT for um, years. I remember I had this guy come in and speak, and, you know, I used to do the men's meeting. So it's like 50, 60 men. And as a young kid doing the meeting, it used to be intimidating for me, you know. And I brought this guy in to speak, and he's like, I'm going to tell all, everybody the secret. I'm going to teach everybody here how not to get high. And he was like, there's only two things that can get you high. And I was listening like, oh, wow, this is good. I never heard this before. <laughs> exactly. And this guy's got a lot of clean time. And he's like a predecessor. He's like, I'm going to teach you guys two things. These are the only two things that could get you high. And that's your left hand and your right hand. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Like the people that have been here long enough, like, bro, they really keep it simple. Yeah. Like they keep it simple. And uh, not to say that people place in things and an issue, but there are things that make it harder and there are things that make it easier. But at the end of the day, you just got to not use for one day. And, you know, when you went to Camden, you realized like, oh, shit, I can't be here. And you went back. And that's not forever. Like I tell people, like, bro, this ain't forever, bro. No. But you got to build a solid foundation. I'm sure you travel all over the place now. Now I travel Of home. course. I love like, it. I, listen, I'm, I'm leaving in September. I'm mm-hmm. going because I haven't seen my folks. And I, I mean, I speak to them every day. But I haven't seen my folks in about almost two years. Um, and in September, I'm planning mm-hmm. to go in September because, as you know, I, you know, I love riding bikes. Yep. Even though I had an accident, I'm still You don't still care. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, in July, well, June, I'm leaving to Tennessee because I'm going to the Bristol mm-hmm. Bristol track over there because I'm getting on the track over there. Mm-hmm. And You track your Jixxer? Yeah, the Jixxer, yeah. I, I change the fairings and everything, wow. put a track bike. So I'm leaving for two weeks, but then when I get back, because my mom's like, you know, when are you coming down? Well, I haven't seen you in two years, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and I turn around and I say, well, mom, get an iPhone so mm-hmm. I can FaceTime you. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get none of that. I, you call me on the phone because I still call her on the landline. Yeah. You know, she still has the same number for wow. about 50-something years. I said, mom, I'm going in September. So, Brian, you said the key. The foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go back, I set myself, if I go back for seven days, out of them seven days, I'm going to four meetings, mm-hmm. okay? And people already over there know me, and, and I can imagine when I get back in September, they're going to say, damn, Lou, we miss <laughs> you, you know? Because I, I, that's what I do. A couple of times I've been back home and gone to meetings, and they say, Louie, can you come back tomorrow to speak? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not, you know? And that's what I do. So, you know, am I scared to go back home? No, Mm -hmm. you know? One thing I don't do is go back to them old people places and things. Yeah, I see old people, Mm -hmm. you know, but like you said, there's no more— Mm-hmm. Old people shooting dope no more. Absolutely. You know, they're nothing but getting younger, uh, mm-hmm. younger and younger. And where I come from, forget it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I go there, if I drive through Broadway, I'll see him and I'm, I, you see him nodding out or whatnot. And I'm like, wow, that was me. You know? Yeah, I was telling someone the other day because they were like, oh, does alcohol bother you? There's a difference between, you know, your first couple of years clean and like your first couple months clean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
alcohol don't really bother me. I could go and people can drink in front of me. But it's like if I was vegan, I could go to a steakhouse and order something vegan and you can order a steak and it won't bother me. I probably wouldn't go to a butcher shop. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I might go to a restaurant where they're serving steak, but I ain't going to a butcher. I got no, I got no business in a butcher butcher shop. shop. You know what I mean? I probably wouldn't date a butcher. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's a difference between, you know, dating somebody who eats steak and dating a butcher. You know, like I don't date drug addicts. I don't hang out with people shooting dope. I don't hang out with people that recreationally smoke crack or some shit. I don't like being around people that do coke. And for me, like, I know my own recovery and uh, I don't focus on what everyone else does. I know what feels okay with me and I got my own boundaries and I got the way I live my own life. I feel like that's the key to staying clean long term because what works for me might get you high. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So with God that, bless you, bro. Thank you, bro. You know? I love you, man. I, appreciate I love you too. Right. Thanks for How having going, me, bro. Man? Thank you. All right. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.